Peace, bro. The significance of your life isn't lost on me. You were a human, a son, father, and nephew, and unfortunately, a casualty of an American war. Filed under police brutality, somewhere between Rodney King and Mike Brown, your story stood out because social media carried the cell phone footage of you getting gunned down on a platform by a guy in a uniform, by far not the first of its form. Something that we all knew went on, but seeing the visual, man, the visual. I saw it 10 years ago, and if I never saw it again, I'd still never forget. It's disgusting that your life, as well as the lives of so many others before you and after you, were cut short by law enforcement officials of all sorts. A decade later, and little, if anything, has changed, including my reverence for your story. It's a significant piece of this dark, twisted thing we call American history. All right. Welcome to the Talk About a Specific History Subject and Then Leave This Podcast Forever podcast. My name is Hugo, and I collaborated with Kobe, David, and Axel. Our top sponsors are no one because this is a one-time podcast. And our audio clip you listened to was A Letter to Oscar Grant by Pendarvis Harshaw, which segues into our topic that is police brutality. Our group chose this topic because we thought it'd be the best subject to educate others on. Our topic question is, to what extent has police brutality evolved over time? And our answer was, we believe that police brutality has stayed consistent throughout time, but the sudden development in technology has given most people the accessibility to view and share cases of police brutality. Here are a few examples. In 2018, two black men were arrested in a Philadelphia Starbucks for doing virtually nothing. You heard me right. I'm sure we've all heard this story in the news, but it's still quite relevant today. They say they were there for a business meeting and waiting on a friend, but after asking for the bathroom key and being told to leave if they didn't order something, police officers were caught. They were supposedly loitering, something that I'm sure we've all done before. According to Dante Robinson, one of the people who were apprehended, they were arrested on the spot with no questions asked. This case may not seem as violent compared to other situations, but it's still very harmful. And in this other case, it's more pronounced. Very recently, last month in fact, there was a 14-year-old boy shot by a police officer. 14 years old. Lorenzo Jr. was with friends when playing with cap guns, and officers were sent to check what the situation was about. After a different officer confirmed that the boys were playing with cap guns, which are in fact toy guns, toy fake guns, Officer Kyle Holcomb approached him and told him, show me your hands, drop it. With less than a second to react, Officer Holcomb fired four shots, one clean through Lorenzo's leg and one in his hip. Officer Kyle was placed on paid leave. The problem here was the officer not giving any time for Lorenzo to react to his instructions. And when I say no time to react, I meant literally when he gave him a less than a second to react. His finger was already on the trigger shooting. One can say this was discriminatory towards Lorenzo because of his race. Those are just few of many cases of police brutality. Next, we have Kobe who will discuss the change over time. Now I'm going to be discussing change over time for police brutality throughout the United States 
mostly throughout the 1800s, 1900s, and currently the 2000s, where I believe it is most prominent. So first of all, uh, currently I believe the African-American population is about 13% of the total U.S. population. But somehow, 24% of police shootings that are fatal happen to be of African-American males and females. Now, this is just a clear disparity in the amount of people who are being targeted by police and who are being killed by police. Um, I'd like to trace this back to the roots of police departments, which is in Boston in 1813 AD. There was the first police department throughout the United States. I think previously, uh, justice had been delivered by the likes of warrant officers and I guess the military in in large cases. Um, Now, the next big um, step for progress in American police um, policing is in 1929, the Illinois Association for Criminal Justice published this Illinois Crime Survey. So this is during the time of Al Capone in Chicago, Illinois. And um, this, this survey was with a focus on Capone, but it ended up finding out that African-American people constituted 30% of police fatalities, but were only 5% of the area's population. So I'm guessing this is for Chicago, and maybe this is... Um, before or after or during um, the, the great migrations that occurred from the south up north of black people following the end of slavery and during a lot of persecution. But clearly, even in the north, police fatalities were um, a lot more than the population, and it just didn't really make any sense. I'm sure it did at the time, but currently we're looking back on this. It gives us a lot of insight into where we are today. So nearly a hundred years after um, the first police department, there's already these kinds of issues. And then if we go to 1963, in a very important year for civil rights and for a lot of things. So there was the March on Washington done by Martin Luther King Jr. and hundreds of thousands of people. Um, the protests a lot of different things, but one quote I'd like to take away from this that MLK said, we can never be satisfied as long as the Negro is the victim of the unspeakable horrors of police brutality. And so I think he's kind of saying that as long as the law is persecuting um, his people, that there's not really going to be any freedom for them, any um, freedom of mind even, just to, to not have to worry about being killed on the streets every day. And so at this protest, um, he talked about the use of fire hoses, dogs, and tear gas on crowds, specifically African-American crowds, and this is just another example. Now, one more thing that's occurred is that there's the Selma-Montgomery March just two years later in 1965, and this is a prime example of the uses of fire hoses, dogs, and tear gas, as the nonviolent protesters who were marching were stopped by police and beaten horribly by um, local police departments. So these are all things that happened in the civil rights movement and before, but one very important thing um, that was rather recent was in 1991, March 3rd, an individual named Rodney King was beaten 50 or more times on video. And this is the first case of uh, a police beating caught in video, but has a lot of significance because There was the 1992 L.A. riots that started right afterward, and these led to a lot of unrest in L.A., and um, it just kind of shows how the videos 
This is basically the first instance of a video being released to the public. It just shows how people really seeing what happens can really outrage them. And yeah, so that concludes my section for this time. I'd like to pass it on to David to talk about um, protesting. Thank you. It's David. So today I'll be talking about people protesting against police brutality and where the situation is heading towards. Uh, first, I'll start off with a couple facts on police brutality. So on average, in the United States, a police officer takes the life of a citizen every seven hours. In addition to that, people who are African American or black are twice as likely to be killed by a police officer while being unarmed compared to a Caucasian or white individual. So, to start off, on New Year's Day in 2009, an Oakland police officer shot and killed unarmed Oscar Grant in the back, claiming that he meant to use a taser. So, the, this police officer was sentenced to a two-year prison term and served 11 months of that term. The officer was then fired, and Oscar Grant's family, his mother and his daughter, were given more than $1 million each. Protests began less than a week after Oscar Grant had been shot and killed by the officer. There was the Occupy Movement, which was a political movement that expressed opposition to social and economic inequality and to the lack of real democracy around the world. So the movie Fruitvale Station, was, which w- was created based on the Oscar Grant case. Furthermore, Michael Brown, who was an unarmed black man, who shot, he was shot and killed by a white police officer. This led to thousands of protesters to protest against police brutality. In addition to this, in December of the year 2014, there was a march to protest against police brutality in major U.S. cities. This day was known as the Day of Resistance. There was also the Black Lives Matter movement. There was also the Black Lives Matter movement, which promoted and supported Black lives. Studies show that the estimated cost of police brutality incidents in the United States is around 1.8 billion dollars also one out of every three people that are killed by police officers in any given year in the united states are african-american or black so overall we can see that police brutality is nothing new to us as it has been a part of the united states for many years the problem with police brutality is that it does not just happen in one part of the u.s it happens all over the country these killings and excessive use of force by the police has built controversy on the idea that police are using their badge to do whatever they want to people being arrested without getting in trouble. It has sparked a movement against police brutality and the Black Lives Matter movement as the police brutality incidents have predominantly targeted minority lives. As David said, the majority of police brutality cases that we researched are on minorities. For example, we found that racial minorities made up about 37.4% of the general population in the US and 46.6% of armed and unarmed victims. 
but they made up 62.7% of unarmed people killed by the police. It was quite shocking for me to find this statistic, so I will address the effect that police brutality has had on our nation as a whole. Like Kobe discussed, police brutality dates way back in the past and has always had the United States questioning the intention of certain police officers. Up until recently though, we've noticed a real sudden change. I believe that because of social media and practically everyone owning phones, that police brutality has an even bigger audience than before. For example, with Oscar Grant, may he rest in peace. I don't believe his case of police brutality would have exploded in the news if not for the amount of people explicitly recording the officer's actions and Grant's unfortunate death. People have more accessibility to watch and even record their own encounters of police brutality. In fact, it has become quite common. Furthermore, we think that now that more people are aware of police brutality, that the divide between people for victims and people for the officers is massive. This is one of the grand effects this issue has on our nation. People have a, if you're not with us, you're against us mentality with a lot of this type of stuff. It's a lot more noticeable in, for example, the general political climate. This mentality is harmful in a lot of cases, but for police brutality, it's definitely a dangerous instigator. And that concludes our collective thoughts and ideas. This is the talk about a specific history subject and then leave this podcast forever podcast. Thank you for listening.